We're going to have a contiguous flow of service this morning, and so I'm going to get the announcements out right at the top, as well as some other notes of interest. Uh, first of all, youth group scenario. Uh, tonight, of course, youth group is the same. Doors open at 5.30. But Thursday night, there's a bit of a, a change. Thursday night is going to be normal junior high youth group, but also it's going to be orientation night for brand new sixth graders which means for the sixth graders and probably even more so for the parents, um, it would be important to come Thursday night, again, at 5.30, because uh, you'll have the Facebook page for the youth group explained and how that's used as a communication tool and just a bunch of other practical steps in uh, sort of just a new introduction to the junior high youth group for your uh, elementary school uh, student who is now, as of this moment, a sixth grader. So that's Thursday night, 5.30 also. And, of course, <clears throat> I did not know that. Youth group, senior high youth group tonight is not like normal. Of course, I don't know what normal is for the youth group, but it is going to be out at Lakeside Bible Campground where we will be following the second service for the baptismal service. So they will just remain there, I take it. Okay. So, yep. Just remain there. And today, now, as I said, continuous flowing service. This is our uh, annual tradition of Baptism Sunday. We will be hearing the uh, testimonies of people, some video, some live, uh, in both services. And then after the second service, we will be headed out promptly to Lakeside Bible Campground. Again, parking is always very tight, so if you could go with somebody and double up or even triple up, that would uh, help immensely. And just for what it's worth, um, me, I am going to explain the directions on how to get there. For those, yeah, exactly. Those of you who know me, just ignore everything I'm going to say because me and directions just don't get along. So, you didn't tell them. Okay, you're supposed to queue up the map that I understand you have in there. See, this is what happens when I go by GPS. Like, yeah, sorry, no signal. You're on your own. Okay. Anyway, the campground is just a, a minutes away from us. Are we working on this or what? Yeah. Okay, keep talking. He says, stretch it out. Anyway, there are little mini maps in the back when you leave. And if you just go straight down KMD, right, into Oakland, you go down the big hill, and there's a light. You're going to just, and there's a bunch of... Okay, exactly. So here we are. We're leaving the church. You go down the big hill, and there's this big intersection that goes intersection, intersection, and then intersection. You're just going to veer slightly to the left, which takes you right through the mega city of Oakland, right? So that'll take you about 32 seconds. It winds around onto what's called Church Street. And then it kind of dead, not kind of, it dead ends at Route 11. All right? So you're going to take a, a right onto Route 11, and here's your tip-off. 3.8 miles, you're driving down like you'd be going to Belgrade Lakes. Ben tells me that there is always a garage sale in the yard of the people that are just before the little church on the corner where you're going to make your turn down the dirt road. Okay? Garage sale. Oh, look at that. 
We're in a nautical, nautical motif this morning. <laughs> I've never seen a garage sale, but that could be interesting. So then you're just going to turn down the dirt road and just follow the dirt road into camp and try and figure out a place to park. It will take you basically, what, eight minutes maybe, if that, to get there. Okay? All right. There you go. Is that awesome or what? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All these wonderful little instructions. Oh, and by the way, yeah, see, got it, nice, you gave me the prop. Okay, for those who were being baptized today, last week we talked about wearing a dark top for going into the water, especially the women, for practical reasons. Um, (laughs) If we knew that you were being baptized today, we have your size ordered specifically for you, so don't go change at the last minute. Um, they're sitting out there also. Okay, there it is, our new logo, F-E whatever. <laughs> F-E whatever, baby. I don't know. All right. So, so we are not doing a song, as I was told, right at the start. All right, so we're going to start right off the bat with uh, listening to some of the uh, recorded, pre-recorded testimonies of the folks going before the Lord today. Hi, my name is Rachel Bettis. I was brought up Catholic, and I was confirmed and baptized as a baby. I went to church and taught catechism to children about to make their first Holy Communion. As I got older, I felt that there was something missing for me in the church. I had a Christian friend, and she introduced me to Jesus back in the 70s, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But I couldn't find a Christian church either. Once, when I was working in Virginia, I felt I needed to go to confession, so I went, and the priest told me he couldn't forgive my sins because I was married to a man that had been married in the Catholic Church, and his marriage was not annulled. He could only give me his blessing. I was devastated. So when I got back to my room, I called my Christian friend, and she got so angry, and she guided me to a scripture in Romans. If you confess with your mouth to Christ Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. I knew then that I had to find a Christian church. When we moved to Maine, I was still searching, and the Lord led me to faith. At first, I came alone. My husband and I would alternate between faith and the Catholic church. I finally convinced him to come with me, and he loved Pastor Bill's sermons. We have been coming ever since. In November of 2013, I got stomach stomach cancer, stage 2. I received nine weeks of chemo. Then they found the tumor had shrunk and they were able to do surgery. They removed part of my stomach, but when they were in there, they saw it had spread to my pancreas. More chemo, which I could not tolerate. I almost died got a little stronger, more chemo, still at death's door. Even Pastor Ron and his wife came to my house to pray for me. My husband also called a priest to give me my last rites. And he said I ran him off and told him I wasn't ready to go. I don't remember this since I was so drugged up. Now I have stopped chemo 
and my oncologist cannot believe how well I am doing. Praise God. I thank you. I thank him for every day for this blessing. The Lord had put it in my heart a couple of years ago to get baptized. And I guess I was nervous about this testimony, but now I am ready. Praise God. Hi, my name is Grace Rosignol, and this is my testimony. So I grew up in a Christian home surrounded by Christians. My family was involved with Bible quizzing. We went to church. Growing up, I could tell you almost any Bible story under the sun, but I didn't really know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship with him. Then, over the course of a few years, I made bad choices. But after, after discipleship and truly realizing God and his amazing forgiveness, I turned my life over to Christ. That's when God convicted me, and that's when I became a true Christian. I enjoyed church, started enjoying church when before I had to be dragged, kicking and screaming. And this past year, I have grown in my relationship with him, and now I'm ready to be baptized. Hi, my name is Stacy Cossaboom. I'm 28 years old and the mother of a wonderful five-year-old boy. A little over a year ago, I started a new journey as I was working on myself and my broken relationship with Christ. This journey brought me here to faith. Since being here, I attended the women's study on Jonah and became active in the small group taught by John and Martha Farnham. I was 14 years old and attending my second Word of Life Super Bowl when I came to know Christ. For the first few years, my heart was filled and I could not learn enough. And then I went off to college. This was the time when my walk with Christ really began to fade and my disobedience began to grow. This life continued until about two years ago when my head seemed to be spinning and nothing was going right is when I, was, when I realized what I was missing and my new journey started. It was October of last year when I was driving home that my heart became filled with emotion as I recognized I have been given a second chance. Since that night, everything has been different. It is because of my desire to be obedient and my recent growth that I am being baptized today. Lord in heaven, Lord in heaven, we are before you this morning as a people saved by your mercy and grace for an obedience, Lord Jesus. You submitted yourself, you put aside your godly prerogatives to come here to live a life of perfection for us, to give that life of perfection to us, and to die in our place for our failings, for our rebellion, for our sins against you. Lord, we pray you would be magnified today and pray that the knees of your people today that are weak would be strengthened, that those, Lord, who are still on a, a trek of exploration to find truth, to find who you are, that you would open their hearts and their minds and their ears today to see and just be overwhelmed by your goodness and mercy in the lives of other people. And just pray, Lord, that anyone that you have been urging to follow in believer's baptism, and yet for some reason still has not done that, we pray you would speak to them today and they would follow joyously. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.
My name is Amanda Crawley. I have been coming to faith for about a year and a half now. I started my journey with Christ at Blessed Hope Church, where I attended Sunday school. My teachers and my family guided me in, my, in developing my path with the Lord. As I got older, I became involved with a lot of things, school, sports, work, and had put my relationship with God on the back burner. I knew I still believed, but I didn't show that I was willing to commit myself to him. About four years ago, we lost one of my brother's close friends to a car accident. Pastor Bill happened to be the one who spoke at his service. While listening to Pastor Bill, I noticed his passion for the Lord, which made me wonder, why had I not returned to restore my relationship with God? My mother had decided to start attending church at Faith. After that, I felt I couldn't make any more excuses for myself. I joined my mom at Faith that next Sunday and decided that it was time to find my way back. I continued going every week and felt I could see a change in my life, but I still felt like something was missing. During service last year, they announced baptism. I knew this was something that I wanted, but still questioned whether or not I thought I was ready for this kind of commitment. I felt as though if I didn't know the complete word of the Bible, how could I commit myself? Watching on as my cousin got baptized last year, I thought what a beautiful thing it was to see people completely expressing their belief and love for the Lord. This past month, I had missed a couple of Sundays due to work. The first one I had come back, Pastor Ben, had gotten up on stage and announced baptism. With this, I thought, okay, God, I got the hint this time. I felt as though he was trying to tell me that I needed to take the next step and commit myself fully to him. After talking with my family, friends, and Pastor Ben, I realized that every doubt I ever had about being baptized was just stopping me from doing what I wanted most. So today, I'm here to show the whole faith family that I am here and I am ready to take the biggest step in my discipleship with God and dedicate myself to him and all that he commands. I'm getting baptized to show my new life in Christ. I'm doing it because Jesus commanded it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of age. Matthew 28:19-20. I always thought that I wasn't ready for baptism or that I wasn't good enough for it because I never properly understood it. At youth group one Sunday, Pastor Matt talked about baptism. After that, I got a better understanding of baptism and what it was about. I learned that it's not about me and not to do it because I feel like I'm ready, but because I have a proper understanding of what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Hi, I'm Riley Gilman, and I've been coming to faith for about 12 years now. I've attended the youth group here and volunteered at BBS. I was brought up in a Christian home and was taught about God from a young age. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was 11 years old, and since then I've learned how God is sovereign and how he's involved in the smallest details of our lives. One example I have is when I was 14 years old, I sort of drifted from God and became so worried about being popular and having popular friends that God kind of took a back seat in my life. That lasted about two years, and during that time, even though I finally got everything that I thought I wanted, I felt lonely and sort of empty. Then all of a sudden those friendships ended, and I wondered why God would do that to me, if it was some kind of punishment or something. 
But then I realized how I had been treating God and how he had not been the center of my life. So there was about a year where I didn't have any friends, but it was a good thing because it gave me a chance to reconnect with God and realize that he needs to be the center of any type of relationships I have in my life. Then last year, one of my friends from when I was younger came back into my life, and we've become best friends again. And through her, I've also made a new friend. They both love the Lord and have shown me what true friendship is like. And I think it's amazing how God cares about every aspect of our lives and will help us even if we stray from him. I want to be baptized because I want to show obedience to God and show my love for him publicly and that I'm committed to him for the rest of my life. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing about what made all of these decisions uh, even possible is the love that Christ showed us by dying and laying his life down on the cross for each and every one of us. Amen. Please be seated. I've been attending faith for nine years now, I think. Possibly the next thing I'll need to do is become a member. This is the year I I need to get baptized because I'm finally being obedient to what God has whispered to me. I don't know how well you know me, but obey and submit are not words that are used to be applied to me. It's a bad sentence. I am headstrong and very sure that I know best, but I don't know best, really. It's just taken some time to get there. I have a wonderful Bible study group that has been helping me along the way. I was raised Catholic, my mom and sister still being very devout and active in our hometown church. I went to CCD, was baptized as an infant, had my first communion when I was seven or so, and was confirmed as a Catholic when I was ten, I think. I forget. But it didn't meet my need for God. My life is a series of miracles. When I was eight, I developed a tumor. It sprung up and grew rapidly. It was attached to my right ovary and was the size of a soccer ball. I looked like a pregnant eight-year-old. I was diagnosed November 2nd. They told my parents I probably wouldn't make it to Thanksgiving because they didn't know what caused it or how to stop it. It was cancerous. My dad gives me credit for changing his whole outlook on life. He used to work in Portland and would leave the house before everyone got up in the morning and get home long after we went to bed. Except me. I didn't like him coming home to a quiet house, so I'd wait up for him and we would have whispered conversations when he got home. I asked him if I was going to die on the third day in the hospital. Why would you think that, he said. I know now he was trying to avoid answering the question. My reply was, I've seen you for three days in a row and you haven't gone to work. I must be dying. This was the moment that made him move his job from Portland to Lewiston and had him never miss a home sports game, a violin recital, a play, an outing club trip, or any other special event his kids had. He taught me through this how to be the best parent. My mom had faith, capital letters, faith. She prayed, she begged, she brought the priest every day. My dad thinks he's not good enough to go to heaven. He prayed, he begged, he bargained with God. They operated on me and removed the tumor and everything it was attached to. By God's grace, they took all the cancer with it. When I was tested to see which cancer treatment would be most effective after the surgery, they couldn't find any cancer cells. I never went through chemo or radiation. God is so good, but we forget. And we go on living this life down here without holding on to the giver of that life. I think I must have needed a reminder to pay attention to him because when I was 16, they noticed a growth on my remaining ovary. Science had progressed by leaps and bounds, though, so they did day surgery and removed the growth and only a small part of my ovary. I got mad. Mad at God, mad at my life, mad that it seemed to keep happening to me. It covered my fear but didn't make it go away. I stopped going to church with my mom. I didn't want to have anything to do with a God who put people through situations like mine. I had a wonderful conversation with my dad that started with, you are the stupidest smart person I know. 
He proceeded to explain to me the grace God showed me and how God wasn't responsible for the bad that happens, but he is certainly responsible for me still being there. And if I didn't use my choice to believe in him, then I was just stupid. This is when God brought Floyd into my life. I didn't start dating Floyd until I graduated from high school, until I went to college in Bar Harbor, so very far away, three whole hours by car. Floyd would come visit me every other weekend, and Dad would come get me the other weekends and bring me home. Floyd's dad owned a trucking company, and weekends were when Floyd and his dad would do repairs on the trucks. I would go hang out at his house and wait for moments I could spend with him. His mom and his sister invited me in and treated me as one of their own. That's where I first saw people reading their Bibles. His sister invited me to their church. I think it was Baptist at the time. The difference in the music, the sermon, the connection with God was indescribable. They opened their Bibles together and read them. The first time I worshipped in their church, my soul cracked open and was flooded with more peace and grace than you could imagine. I felt like if you could see it, there was light shining out of my fingertips, toes, and eyes. It was just awesome. After that first year, I didn't want to go back to Bar Harbor, so I stayed with my parents and took night classes at the community college. During the day, I worked for my dad making teeth. The next year, I headed off to Orono with Floyd to get a degree in business which is only important to add to this narrative because it's there that I connected with Campus Crusade. That started deepening my relationship with God. Fast forward four years and Floyd finally asking me to marry him and us finally getting married in October of 2000. Bliss, that's all I can explain it. When you get to marry the, the love of your life and embark on that journey together, it's just bliss. But on to the next miracle, or should I say miracles. When I had my second surgery at the age of 16, the doctor cautioned me that I may not be able to have kids due to the lack of equipment, shall we say. They left as much of my leftover as possible, so I wouldn't need to be on daily hormone medications, but they were not hopeful it would be enough to have children. They could run tests when I was ready to start trying. Since it wasn't likely we would be able to have kids and I didn't want to spend the emotion or the money on the testing, we opted to build a two-bedroom house over a four-car garage, just enough space for the two of us. Then I got pregnant. Yep, just like that, right away. Oh, and what an adventure that miracle was. The amazing no-sleep child who started crawling at six months, walking by nine months, and talking in full sentences by the age of one. He was a challenge and always will be, but he is so loved and so welcome. Since we didn't want him to be a spoiled only child and he, we wanted him to have a sibling to grow older with, we finally geared up to try again. Yep, miracle number two. The sweetest, easiest baby with the bluest eyes and the shy smiles came right away. His gentle spirit and calm manner is a blessing. He soothes my soul. Phew, glad we got that out of the way. Now we can get on to, wait a minute, not done yet. My daughter decided she needed to be here too. Or God sent her to us, either way. She's just what we need to complete our family. She is so open to God and she humbles me when she worships. She is a light that will shine. From don't get your hopes up to three kids is more than I could have dreamed of. Along this journey, God has muted my anger, transformed my fear, taught me how to see things in a different light. He has shown me that being a servant is a beautiful gift to myself and not just to those I am serving. I wouldn't say he has changed my fiery spirit, but he has directed it into the best way to use it. He doesn't want me to be cowed, but he does want me to be kind, and he wants me to show his love to all I meet. So today I get baptized because he told me it's time to show people I'm ready. Almost made it.
Hi, my name is Lexi. I'm 16 years old. My new journey with Christ started a little over a year ago, which led me here to faith. Um, At the beginning of last summer, I was just kind of frustrated with where I was at in life. And there was one night in particular when I was just in a really bad, kind of angry mood. And one of my friends took the time to explain to me all of what Christ did for us and what his sacrifice meant for us. And growing up, I had been to church occasionally, like mostly on holidays. So I knew I knew most of the basic stories and I knew the story of Jesus' death and things. And so at first, I was just annoyed that he was talking to me about this because it wasn't something that I really believed in. And I almost asked him to stop but something inside of me told me to just listen, and so I did. And it took about two nights for him to finish and for me to understand it all. But when he was done, um, I decided to accept Christ into my heart. And since then, my life has been so much different. I have a whole new perspective on things. And it's really because of all of my growth over the past year, understanding in God's word that I'm getting baptized today. Hey, uh, just real quick before we continue in our time of worship with the Lord, I just want to thank Andy Collar and Andrea Dubois. Andy donates his studio time and Andrea meets with every person being videoed for this. And uh, they help us out every year with this to put together just, you know, what you can tell is an obviously very cool product there with the video and the professionalism and everything. So I'd just like to thank them while we have a minute. Would you please stand? You know, today is all about hearing how people have responded to the Lord. And really, it's, it's the point of why we get together as a church, why we come together and worship, why we sit in submission underneath the teaching of the Word of God, is to ask the Lord, here's my heart. What do you want me to do next? Where do I go from here? And so to help us kind of get in that place and to join with those that are being baptized, let's sing that to the Lord this morning. Whenever, Lord, the enemy has his foothold to defeat us, may we shout a cry of victory because you have defeated death. God, we lift you up this morning and you alone, you alone are worthy of our praise because you are who you promised to be. It is your name we elevate this morning. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My name is Lindsay Dora, and I'm 15 years old. I grew up in a Christian home, but as I grew up, my parents seemed to fight a lot. Even though they said they were Christians and they told me that I should get baptized, they explained what baptism was about, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to. I was confused because they were not happy, but we would go to church as this big, happy family. As I got a little older, they didn't fight as much. My younger sister wanted to get baptized, and my parents asked if they wanted to, if I wanted to as well. And I was like, yeah, sure. But when it came to the time to prepare, I backed out and decided not to do it. I wasn't really sure why I was doing it, either to do it for myself or for my parents. And I wasn't really sure what it really meant. At this time, we had an intern pastor at this church we were going to. 
and shortly after he left and so did we. Then we were out of church for a year or two and we met these really nice Christian families through soccer. We were then introduced to a church and went there for about a year. After that, we found Faithy Free. Last year, I watched some of the baptizing videos and felt like I should get baptized. After those videos, my mom asked if I wanted to go up and say that I wanted to, but I, w- but I was too afraid. As we kept meeting up with these families, I noticed they had a true relationship with Jesus, and I wanted to have a relationship like that. So here I am now, and as hard as it was to do this, I finally got the courage to sit in front of this camera and share a little bit of my testimony. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Bacon, and I'm 15 years old. I've been wanting to be baptized for a couple of years now, but I haven't thought I was ready. This year, after listening to Pastor Matt's message on baptism, the Holy Spirit began tugging at my heart. In the middle of the sermon, my stomach started turning and my heart started beating really fast. And I knew that this was a year. My testimony is kind of short, but that doesn't mean it has all been sweet. Although I was raised in a Christian home and accepted Christ at a very young age, our family and I have personally walked through some pretty challenging experiences. Actually, every day brings a new challenge, and I'm grateful for God's promises. The hope I have in Christ and the help of many incredible people God has placed in my life. I've been attending FEFC since I can remember, and it's here I've met and grown up with some of God's most faithful servants. From Pastor Bill, who leads us all, and of whom I'm still his number one fan, to Pastor Brent, who has worked with my parents and my siblings to help us be a godly family, to Miss Janet, who loved me through Faith Kids, to Pastor Matt, who's been a patient mentor, and even to Pastor Ben, who I'm still trying to figure out exactly what he does, but makes me smile and laugh like everyone here helps me grow in my relationship with the Creator and is created. I believe Jesus is my Savior, and I know the next step in obedience to him is to be baptized. The baptism is an outward sign of the inward change God has completed and continues to perfect in my life. As my life experiences expand, so will my testimony. And I know it won't all be easy, and I will continue to need the help of God's people, but I know it will all be used by God for his glory and for my good. I'm Tony Francis, and this is my story of coming back to Jesus. I was raised in a home where where I knew God and Jesus when I was very young in elementary school. I used to go and spend weekends with my grandparents. There I would go to church with with them, and Grandma wouldn't, wouldn't miss church. It was just you had to go to church. My mom would take my younger sister and I to different churches around our town, and she wanted us to hear the different teachings of the different churches. We spent more time at the little Baptist church, just a little ways from our house. My dad, he, he didn't go to church that often because he worked a lot on weekends. He owned his own business. But he knew his Bible. I had a number of uncles who were preachers, and my dad could hold his own with, with them when it came to the Bible. He used to tell my sister and I, you read the book. The teacher will come to you. Don't listen to men. Looking back, 
I think he had a bad experience somewhere with, with a church or a preacher. As an adult, I pretty much turned away from God and the church. When my wife and I were married the first time, I had to be baptized to marry her in the Catholic church, so I did it. It didn't mean that much to me at that time. We lived in California. Shortly after we were married, I became a cop. Things were going pretty well at first, but when one of my good friends got shot and my attitude changed, then I was involved in some other shootings and incidents, and my attitude even got worse. Long story short, I left my wife and kids, and a couple years later, I left law enforcement. I was diagnosed with PTSD, which was just in its infancy at that time. I went into construction working for myself and uh, would have tried to work for someone else and would last maybe 10 months if I was lucky. I was angry all the time, moved to Oregon, tried a few jobs that did not last long until I went to work for a place that trained and hired people with disabilities. When I would have an episode, they could deal with me. I worked my way up in the company, but I still was not happy and just never felt right. What brought me back to God was a native brother of mine, Foster Kalama, who lived on the Warm Springs Reservation in Oregon. He he is a Christian. Somehow he knew I needed help. He said, you need to come to the sweat and pray, brother. So I did. And every time I got a chance, I would go and pray there. And it was a safe place for me. Then one of the elders talked to me and she said, you're carrying a heavy load. And I was. It, it was the leaving of my family. At that moment, I knew I could not go on the way I was. I, I needed help, and God was the only one who could, could help me. I had to contact my ex-wife and tell her it was not her or the kids. It was all me. I knew that she was thinking that she had done something wrong. Now, this was 27 years later. Today, I know I cannot go through life without God. I think of that poem where you see the two pairs of footsteps walking in the sand on the beach and then there's only one. And I know God was with me through those years, watching over me, carrying me, never forgot me. I forgot him. That's why I'm making my public commitment to him here. I know there's no way I can repay him, but I can give it my best shot. Put the house. Put hello, hello. Put the house. Li- <laughs> hello. Put the house lights on. Thank you. All right. Um, we have, as I said at the outset, we have some live testimonies this morning. Um, I know of two only in the first service here. And so I'm going to ask Mike Rosignol to come on up and uh, be the first one. There we go. 
Hey, Mike. <laughs> Look like you're coming down to the prices right. Actually, there are better prizes here. <laughs> the word is right. Yes, it is. Good to see you. You as well. Hello. My name is Mike. I was born and raised right here. Raised Catholic, church every Sunday, altar boy, CCD, every week, even through the 12th grade. Yet I'd never opened a Bible. I always believed in God, but I never knew God. I said my prayers every night, but they were recited. I never spoke to him like he's our father. I asked him for things, but I never gave him glory and praise. It wasn't until soon after I went in the military that he came to me one night. I'll never forget the feeling. For the first time, I knew God was real. He assured me that with him, anything is possible. I attended church service while serving. Boy, that's powerful, because I didn't know anyone could sing. When I got home, I still attended church, just not the right one. And then I put him on the back burner. Then after years of asking, he sent someone into my life, my best friend, with Christian values. She asked me to attend church with her, and I jumped at it. We went for a few years, and then not so much. Over time, God nudged me to go back to church, but I felt like I was in control, and I was good. Then he stopped asking, or better yet, I stopped listening. He had given me everything my heart desired, and the wife I'm proud to call mine. Right there. She wanted to go, me to go back to church, too. So the search began, and some of the churches we went to and visited were quite something. And then we found faith. After a couple of years attending, I found myself thinking of God more and more. I had learned to glorify him, give thanks, and even picked up the Bible. Then I was ready to fellowship, so I joined the softball team. Yeah, Johnny. Um, later that year, Jeff Dion invited all men to a men's weekend workshop. By now, I was reading a lot more and excited. Oh, sorry. Jeff Dion asked me if I could lead a men's Bible study. I blurted out, yes. My head was racing. I know I was not very well versed in the Bible, so then I said to Jeff, I won't lead it, but I'll host it. God's going to have to do all the work. And without disappointment, God did make it work. He brought together a great group of men that I'm proud to call my brothers. After 10 weeks, the book was completed, and the guys wanted to carry on, and we did. It wasn't until we discussed surrendering that I had realized I hadn't yet that was tough for me, so I thought. So during our closing prayer, I prayed and told our small group that I'm sure by next week I'd be cool with the idea. By then, I was reading the Bible every morning, and the very next day after group, I picked up a book, and having a morning, my the very next day after group, I picked up a book, and having my morning reflection with God. He made it very clear, so much so, I woke up my wife to tell her so. Then this summer rolled around and we heard about baptism again. I thought, yeah, I was baptized as a child. I'm good. 
That's when Pastor Brent said the word surrender. I knew it was time. I'd been blessed with a beautiful wife who I adore, two kids and two grandsons. Grandsons. Where'd all the time gone? It's time for me to listen more and surrender. Give all the glory and thanks to our Father. And with this baptism, I surrender to him. I'm going to ask uh, Justin Underwood to come on down. And uh, You know, the, the diversity of the way that God has worked in the lives of the people, uh, I mean, isn't it just, it's, it's amazing. It shouldn't be surprising, right? When I was a little, little, little child, um, my mom would help me to memorize God is up and down and all around. And uh, my first theological lesson in uh, omnipresence. But uh, what really just kind of excites me this morning is to listen to teenagers give us a testimony of substance that even at their young age, right, they have this, this innate sense of, man, have I failed God, and boy, do I need a Savior. I mean, that, you know, when I was a teenager, that was nowhere in my mind. Right? And so it's just so refreshing to, uh, to hear those sorts of things. Justin, I am both amazed and thrilled to see you this morning. Happy to be here, Father. Tell you what, buddy. How you doing? Um, I want to thank uh, Pastor Bill, Pastor Bill, for um, you know what, giving me some, the strength. You know, took me. A, I think I was here. I, I wanted to do it what a year ago. I wanted to be baptized a year ago and flaked out. You know, so I'm back and I'm serious about it. So you know. If you're not serious, then don't do it, right, my right, Um Again, my name is Justin Underwood. I'm 36 years old, and I was brought up in a you know Christian household by my uh, both my parents, Chuck and Teresa Underwood, um, who uh, showed me, you know, right from wrong, and uh, taught me about you know God being our foundation. Um, you know, and as a young adult, I bounced back and forth uh, in my faith. And I, I found myself going astray, mostly as uh, when I entered um, the freedom of college. You know, when you go away and kind of can do what you want, what you want to like. Um, I only attended Mass when it was convenient for me, myself. Um, even though I attended St. Joe's, you know, College of Maine, which offered Mass every Saturday evening and, and Sunday morning, um, which was right on campus, so it was well accessible to any individual, you know, I, I really felt like I had religion in my life, um, yet I really didn't have any uh, relationship, you know, with our Savior God, you know, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, after college, I moved back home uh, to Benton, and I uh, lived with my parents, who took me back in, and, um, you know, I began uh, to build a business in uh, Hollow, Maine, um, you know, with help my, of both my parents. Kind of a team effort, um, you know. Over the over the next eight or nine years, um, you know, I built a successful business in Hollowell, and you know, I worked every day, um, every day, you know, all all the time, and um, most weeks not keeping the Sabbath um, as a priority, even with it being um, one of God's most uh, important commandments. I still, you know, knowingly. Um, didn't attend, which is probably worse. You know, when you, when you know you should, you should be there. 
Um, you know, my life without God, you know, being the main focal point in my life, I knew him, but like I said, I didn't have no relationship. And um, even with all the earthly blessings that he gave me, you know, health, you know, strength, I'm in great shape, you know, my family's healthy, um, you know, just earthly uh, earthly pleasures that, you know, really don't matter when, you know, it comes down to the nitty gritty. Um, you know, I wasn't really surrounding myself with godly people, you know, in, in that aspect, you know, you don't surround yourself with godly people, and, you know, how the hell are you going to get, you know, godly advice? So that probably wasn't a good start. Um, you know, I, I, um, I lived with an individual for, you know, many years and I wasn't married, you know, so I lived with someone out of wedlock, you know, and, you know, that's another thing I knew that I was doing that was wrong. However, I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I gambled, I gambled recreationally. Not that it was, uh, it's probably worse that it wasn't tearing my life apart, but I, you know, I, I dabbled in, uh, you know, gambling a little bit here and there, you know, and, um, you know, simply not, you know, talk, taking the time to talk to God, you know, like he was in the room with me, like he was one of my friends. Um, you know, I guess that's where I didn't have, a, you know, the relationship, you know, speaking to him, you know, even though he's my Lord and Savior on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, I felt a, a major void in my spiritual life. And um, I wanted to start, you know, you know, I wanted to demand more for myself and uh, realize that, you know, God was there for me and um, start living for God and for what he wants from, for me and not what I want for myself or what other people want for me. Um, you know, Jesus is my savior you know, and I want to engulf myself in his love. You know, my desire is to, is to grow in Christ, you know, to grow in Christ and uh, to become the man that, you know, he wants me to be. I always had a, you know, an overview, you know, or and make these lists of what I wanted for myself, you know, or people around me. It's totally backwards. I really didn't have, uh, you know, I think I had, I thought I had the total control on on what I was, you know, where I was going. But, you know, I was floundering around. Um, you know, and today, so today I, you know, I'm going to follow him into that into the water. You know, you know I'm going to follow him in there, and because of you know what he's done for me already, and. Um, you know, the Lord commands all of us as believers to be baptized, you know, so I, mu- I must obey him, you know. But I appreciate the time, and I want to, you know, thank my family, you know, who's coming today, and my girlfriend, Emily, who travels from Massachusetts, and uh, God's blessed me with her. You know, it's funny how you start listening to listening to him, and all of a sudden uh, things go right. You know, it's not ironic, you know. And he's, you know, he's blessed me with a, you know, great person, you know, in my life, and I'm fortunate for that. And um, I love her very much, and I'm very lucky. But thank you very much. I'm going to ask Sydney and Keith Kirian to make your way up here both. You can give support to each other. <laughs> I have a great life that I'm very thankful for. I have amazing role models that are there to teach me from right and wrong. I was raised up loving the Lord, but my mother always thought that I should understand what being baptized actually means before accepting Jesus Christ into my heart. Being older now, I know what I'm doing. I'm being changed forever. All my sins lifted and all is being forgiven. I accept our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into my heart. 
I can't exactly tell you when I was saved, but I just know. Everything is clear now that I'm living through the Lord. I don't have anything written up, but mine's a lifelong lesson. I was um, married at a young age. Uh, met my first wife when I was 22 when we got married, and after four tubular pregnancies, um, we um, tried to have kids, but, you know, we had tried to have kids, but we knew that wasn't going to happen, so we went through, and I then adopted a girl when she was six days old, and after we had gone through foster care and stuff like that, she had come down with breast cancer, and after a five-year struggle, she had lost her battle in uh, 2002. Uh, six years later after that, I had lost my mom to leukemia. And eight, six months after that, I had lost my brother in an auto accident. Um, I met my new wife in 2010, and we've been married six years. We've had our struggles through our relationship. It is, you know, I kind of fell out of touch with God back when my first wife had passed. And knowing that I needed God back in my life now, I lost my dad just this past January. And he was a good Christian man, which loved the Lord very much. And knowing that I needed him back in my life. So I'm here to say I ex- want to accept God back into my life today as I need him back in my life so I'm committing myself to him today so thank you very much I'm going to have Isaac Veyu come on up bass player anybody seen a bass player around here and this is your last Sunday here I think right yeah, and then you head off for school. Yep. Yep. All right. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Isaac Bayou. Um, I've been going to this church since I was six days old, literally. <laughs> so 20 years. Um, if I was asked the reason for, if I was asked for the reason that I'm finally decided to be baptized, um, the simple answer would be that God commands all of His children to do so and proclaim their life devoted to Him. Um, this should be the same reason that everyone gets baptized. What's different is that we all have a story that's unique. My story starts when I was born. I was born into a relatively new Christian home with parents that loved me enough to teach me how to act, how to speak, and how to treat others, just like the Bible said. I was never really loads of trouble for my parents, and with a few exceptions, didn't do a whole lot of terrible things. So you could say that I had a pretty relaxed life. As I grew up, I got into my teens. I fell short of pursuing my relationship with God. I still prayed to him once in a while. I still came to church, and I still loved him. But I didn't do much of anything on my part to grow and produce fruit on my relationship with him. The only time I really came to him and talked to him was when I needed something. When I look back, this was always how I lived my life, ever since I vaguely understood who God was. But then God put a stop in my life. About four years ago, I came down with an immune disease called ADEM. I'm not going to tell you the real name because it's really hard to say. <clears throat> it's basically, it basically shut down my body from practical 
mobility for about a month, and then afterwards, many more months of recovery. I wish I could say my heart was changed in that month, or even the months after, but it wasn't for some time after that I truly realized what God was telling me and what I needed to change. I realized that I wasn't actually talking to him. I wasn't actually doing anything he was calling me to do, and I wasn't even making a single effort to produce fruit. He put my life on hold, and he gave me a second chance at life. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Actually, I have it right there. Um, I was dead in my relationship with him, and he was calling me back up. He was telling me to wake up. Now he's giving me a second chance. He's called me to do what he's called me to do, and I'm going to do it with joy in my heart. I so love the diversity in people's stories, diversity both in their chronology and here on earth and, you know, the way the Lord can deal in a, in a significant way with younger people. And uh, sometimes with us adults, it tends to tank, take more significant bumps, bangs, and bruises to get our attention than by his grace. We come around sometimes and... Uh, continue on that path. I'm just going to take really a few minutes to talk this morning about baptism and mainly from the perspective of what baptism is not. Over my 30 plus years in pastoral ministry and I know with uh, you know as we've grown here faith and brought on new staff and listening to their encounters with people over the years um, we hear many uh, different and unique uh, reasons as to why people are approaching us about being baptism when we extend the invitation. And not surprisingly, there are many misunderstandings concerning what baptism is and what it is not. And so again, very briefly, I'm going to give us five things that baptism isn't. And, uh, and then very, very briefly, because you heard the testimonies, I think were, were very so well done and so clear about what baptism is. First of all, baptism does not cleanse anybody from original sin. That is a teaching that originates in a particular Christian tradition that many people at faith here have in their background. Um, you heard allusions to it on some of the testimonies. Um, which is why in certain traditions um, there's this urgency put upon the parents to get your infant, your newborn, baptized as soon as possible because baptism washes away original sin. And if they happen to die uh, before they have that baptism and wash away original sin, then they're stuck with that original sin. And instead of going to heaven, they go to an intermediate place where they hang around for a while. And I won't go into the theology of all that. Okay, that is just clearly aberrant. That was a man-made teaching that took traction. It's not what the Bible teaches. It does not cleanse anybody from original sin. And even if it did, then what about all the other sins that 
all of us continue to perpetuate for the rest of our lives, you see. But the theological implication of that statement that baptism removes original sin is offensive to the very nature and character of God Almighty who sent us his son, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, because Jesus came and he was and is our all-sufficiency and didn't die for just our sins after original sin. He came and shed his blood for the cleansing of original sin and all other sins that we will ever experience and uh, conduct for the rest of our lives. And so to say that this little ritual of water on a little baby takes away original sin really demeans, again, the greatness of what Jesus Christ came to do and, in fact, did on our behalf. So baptism does not cleanse anybody from original sin. Secondly, baptism is not a rite or a a traditional ritual of rededication. Not infrequently, I have had individuals over the years who come to me and they go, well, Pastor Bill, you know what, I was baptized at at camp, you know, when I was a teenager, um, and I knew what I was doing. I mean, it wasn't like I just kind of followed the crowd, although sometimes I hear that too. But no, I knew what I was doing and everything else, but then I went off to college, and man, I just went down all the wrong roads when I was away at college. And that continued for, for unfortunately, well into my adult years, and now here's this 30-something, 40-something, sometimes even 50-something sitting there saying, and so I want to be, I want to be rebaptized because now I'm really serious about the Lord. And I say, well, Okay, first of all, and, and again, this, you know, every, every case is, is unique. But after discussing it, it's like, well, you followed the Lord in baptism. You knew what you were doing. You had some life under your belt to have to basically acquire that faith for yourself. It wasn't just a borrowed faith from the parents, as I call it. And all this, and like any one of us can do, have done, what have you, you went off the deep end, unfortunately, for an, a prolonged uh, number of years, and now you want to be baptized again because now you really, really mean it. Whereas before, maybe you only really meant it. But I say, but you see, baptism isn't a service of rededication. Okay, baptism isn't to say, okay, God, um, yeah, I was baptized here, and boy, I just went so far off. But then I came back again, and then so I got baptized again, and boy, then I went way off again for another decade, and now I'm back again, and I want to get baptized again. It's not what baptism is about. If you were baptized as an infant and you want to be baptized again, we go, yes, absolutely, because of the biblical teachings about what baptism is. But it's not a rededication service. And we're thrilled when somebody wants to be rededicated and they feel that strongly and they're that much on fire for the Lord. But again, we want to be true to the teaching of scriptures and the demonstration in the scriptures of what baptism is all about and not kind of confuse it with just another way of, uh, you know, of, like I say, rededication. Thirdly, baptism is not a, what I'll call a spiritual vitamin which enables somebody to kick some kind of besetting sin. Oh, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 25 years, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I just, okay, I'm addicted, Lord, to nicotine, right? And I've talked to the Lord about it, and I've tried, you know, I've quit 25 times, but it just hasn't stuck. And so I want to be baptized you know, in hopes that, you know, God will, will see now my fervency and he'll just kind of go boom and he'll take away sort of that craving or any number of iterations like that. And I go, 
you know, if you haven't been baptized, okay, we can talk about that and the whys of it. But it's not, it's not like this. God's going to give you this injection of supernatural power now to conquer whatever you're you're facing in your life and everything else. That's not what baptism is about. Fourthly, baptism is not a form of penance that gets one back in favor with God. And again, if you were raised in a particular Christian tradition, you know what penance is. It's when you mess up, when you sin or what have you, um, you're given a task or a job or something you're supposed to say by memory over and over again as a means of penance. And that kind of erases what you did and it gets you back in favor with God. But that baptism isn't a form of penance at all. It doesn't accomplish anything like that. It doesn't convey anything like that. When we come to uh, Luke chapter 3 in in verse 8 through 14, and the context in the earlier verses in this chapter are all about baptism, this is what we read. And what it does is it shows, again, now one of those significant aspects of what baptism is. It says, Therefore bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance, And the multitudes were questioning him, saying, well, then what shall we do, those who were coming out to be baptized? And he would answer and say to them, well, let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none. Let him who has food do likewise. And then some tax gatherers came, wanting to be baptized, and they said to him, well, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you've been ordered. And then some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, do not take money for anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. But the context in which this is is is, is presented and says categorically, it says, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance meaning you come in baptism being sorry for your sins, acknowledging all that Jesus has done because of those sins, and and with praise on your heart and on your lips for the goodness that he has done in giving you his righteousness and taking the penalty of sin away from you. And repentance is, is showing by your lifestyle that your confession of whatever your sins are is not simply, okay, Lord, and I did it again, and I'm sorry. Okay, and then you turn around, and you go out, and you do it again. And you come back and go, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I did that again. And I'm going to come back, and you go out and do it again. But rather, again, the clear message of Scripture is, look, when you're coming to be baptized, okay, don't be playing games with God. And it's not like you've got to be perfect to be baptized. If that were the case, we'd all be waiting to be baptized until the Lord returned. But then again, it's more than just going, okay, I've got my little punch card here now. I'm going to go get baptized. (laughs) Good. Now that gets God off my back, at least for a season. That's not what baptism is all about. And then I would just note, too, that some of the things that you heard in the testimonies and this idea of of, uh, showing by your lifestyle that your faith is real, that your faith in Jesus is real, and the idea of repentance, even understanding what that means. Repentance means not simply saying you're sorry, but it means you were going down whatever that wrong road was, and you did a 180 and are coming back now the right direction. That's what repentance literally means. It means to turn away in the opposite direction. And so if those things are true of baptism, and of course they are, it makes it impossible to see that a baby or even a young person or a young child is in view there because they don't have those faculties, they don't have that experience of life. And then finally, 
what I want to just mention is the most misused understanding of baptism by believers. Or, and, and, and by misused understanding is, is this. Is, uh, and I've had, had Christians tell me this. Well, you know, have you been baptized? No, I haven't been baptized. You know, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And it's like, okay, you're not going to get an argument from me out of that. It's true. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, okay. But if you're a Christian, it means you're a follower of Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, it means you're not a follower of Christ at whim or whimsy. It means that he is Lord, which means he's commander. He is captain or general or commander-in-chief, whatever you want. He is master, and you have been bought by his blood. And if he's the master, and you say you believe in him and you love him, then you are under obedience an obligation to obey him. And the fact of the matter is, if there was no other reason for getting baptized other than this, you should be baptized because Jesus commanded it. One of the very last things he said to human beings before he went to be back uh, with the Father in heaven was, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus commanded it. And where Jesus commands it, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, then that's sufficient reason enough for the one who says they are under the lordship of Christ to follow him in baptism. We're going to come up, we're going to do one more song, and then uh, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to give ever so brief an opportunity for anybody else because we've got a lot of experience with this over the years, of to uh, if you decide that, yeah, you know what, I've been sitting there squirming a little bit, fighting it, going, I know the Lord wants me to come up there because he wants me to be baptized, uh, then you'll have an opportunity to do that. All right? So you can just be thinking about that, if that applies to you. But I do hate it when I'm done. And in a week from now or something, I hear from somebody... If you just gave me 10 more seconds, I was there. Anybody? All right. You'll actually have one more chance out at the pond. Let me have you stand. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the work that you are doing in the lives of the people here at Faith. It's so always just so encouraging to hear about other people from faith, Lord, being involved in the spiritual pilgrimages of those that you've brought to this place in baptism. Thank you, Lord. We pray you would continue to bless the work of this place. And should it ever deviate, Father, that you would completely derail it, you would just get rid of it, and you would bury it. Lord God, keep us safe going out to Lakeside. And let the joy just continue in the ministry of your spirit to the individual continue for your glory. Amen. Move smartly in a military manner. And we'll see you out there.